rest is alcohol with Lyle Fulton and Jackie Vores. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first official episode of our brand new podcast, The Rest is Alcohol, with myself, Lyle Fulton, and the absolutely brilliant Jackie Vores. Now, listeners to our other podcast, The Rest is PR, our voices will hopefully be very, very recognizable. We are back with a spin-off podcast all called The Rest is Alcohol, which is all about the area of alcohol, alcohol consumption, relationships with alcohol, how people move forward, whether it be they drink alcohol and consume alcohol and they've had problems with that and issues with that in the past, whether they're teetotal, as Jackie is now and has been for a number of years, somewhere in between, anywhere in between, people who work in the area of alcohol, be that for a brewery, for a charity, anything like that. We're just really, really excited to get going on this brand new podcast all about alcohol. That, that makes it sound, Jackie, that does make it sound a bit like it's all about drinking. The rest yeah. is alcohol. It's just all about drinking, but it's I not that. My life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not about, about that. The rest <laughs> is alcohol is actually about the opposite of that. It's not all about, yeah, this is how to drink or what's great to drink. This is all about relationships with alcohol and the area of alcohol. And we're absolutely delighted to have very early on in this brand new series, The Rest is Alcohol, our very first guest. That's it, listeners. Episode one, official guest number one. Viewers on our YouTube channel will be able to see in the most amazing outfit, my head, and we commented on this before we went live, the most wonderful, the absolutely brilliant, Bryony Purdue. Now, Bryony, before we say hello to you officially, I always do this on the rest of PR. I'm going to do a bit of an introduction. And I love that I'm able to do this introduction, finally, having known Bryony for a few years now. Bryony is a cabaret producer, cabaret performer, cabaret personality extraordinaire most recently found as well performing and this is very very close to my heart because i'm a massive fan as part of a fleetwood mac tribute band as well which i want to ask you all about which is absolutely stunning i was talking to my dad about this the other day i was like yeah we're interviewing somebody who performs for like a fleetwood mac band like the fleetwood mac band bryony how are you this fine thursday afternoon welcome to the podcast how are you doing Hello, hi, it's great to be here. Yep, the start of the year has got off to a good start because obviously we got in touch regarding dry January and the Fleetwood Mac thing is really interesting to bring in just straight out the gate because it is a seven person band I've been in for six years. We sell out to like a thousand people each time we do a show. It's amazing, we love it. It's World Headquarters who run it up north. We do Newcastle and Edinburgh. Tom Corker is a legend up there. And this Christmas, it was very interesting because there are seven of us in the band and no one drinks alcohol. Not one? Not one. That is incredible, actually. That's really, really interesting. I mean, thank you, first of all, for introducing this idea that we, I mean, this week, listeners, we are talking about Dry January. We're launching the podcast in January 2024. Lots of people out there will be doing Dry January. I mean, so my first question straight off the bat is, A, how is Dry January going for you, Brian? B, are members of the band in your boat as well in that they're doing dry january or is that something that they've done before are some of them just not drinkers at all i mean what's the kind of mix what's the kind of situation there with everybody within the band well it's really so dry january for me is definitely a good thing i'm really enjoying i'm 11 days in so i don't think i'm feeling any massive lasting effects yet but as someone who does tend to drink incredibly often not necessarily a lot but frequently i'm really enjoying re-navigating my relationship there because if it just becomes something that's habitual I have no interest in it I think our minds are bigger than that and I think it's it for me it felt like a default setting a lazy setting and January was a good kickstart and the leading into the Fleetwood Mac thing the fact that we do 
five days in the run up to Christmas. And there are, as I say, seven of us, five of whom are full time teetotal. One of them has never drunk. Two of them haven't been drinking for a couple of years. That's three, just doing maths. One of them gave up booze, yeah, about a year ago. And then it's it's interesting because it all sort of pieces together. One of them drinks very seldom, but it's basically teetotal. Then the other two, myself, I'm one of them, that didn't drink this time, but do normally drink alcohol whenever we want to. One of us was on antibiotics and the other just decided it didn't make sense because actually when you're around people that don't need that as a social lubricant anyway, you don't necessarily feel the need to join in. So it was partly an experiment to see how the two of us that normally drink responded to that. And we both organically of our own volition spent the week running up to Christmas. Teetotal. That's incredible. That's really, really, really cool. Really interesting. Especially when you're doing the music of Fleetwood Mac, where they were all off their nuts. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say, because, I mean, notoriously or otherwise, you know, your Lindsay Buckingham's, your Christine McVie's, your Stevie Nicks, you know, your Mick Fleetwood's, you know, before then, you know, in the early iterations of Fleetwood Mac, your Peter Green's were consumers of not just alcohol, right? I mean, that was an era there where, so, I mean, not only are you then kind of, there's a replication there of obviously you are kind of honoring the image and the music more than music than anything else of such an iconic band. But also then, I mean, this was a question, a bit of a follow-up question, you know, as a performer myself, as you know, um, you and I both gig and, and do this sort of thing, that idea of the social lubricant is an absolutely brilliant phrase, isn't it? I mean, within the musical community, within the performer community, it's quite a big thing, isn't it? There is a bit of a culture within the performance community. I mean, how have you found that, kind of sentiment has changed throughout your career because i mean you know you've been doing this for a number of years i've been doing this for a number of years you know there was always a bit of a culture starting out but i do feel from my own personal perspective that that is starting to change a little bit there's more respect for people who do things like this and start to take back a bit of control rock and roll has changed from excess to moderation i think the flex is do you want to sure do it are you doing out of habit don't and I think that the, especially in the cabaret world and as a compare and host, if you are standing up and being a comedian, which is effectively what hosting is, it is very easy to go, I can only do this with a glass of wine. And I actually, a couple of years ago, a friend of mine has been on and off re-navigating their relationship with alcohol and I was quite inspired by them. So I listened to the audio version because my brain cannot look at a page for any longer than four seconds. Um, I listened to the audiobook version of This Naked Mind by Annie Grace. And it's got a lot of stats and facts about, so you think it's because alcohol improves a meal? No, alcohol is the same stuff that you put, you know, to clean stuff and industrial car stuff. You know, it's the same stuff that we use. There's no health benefit. That's absolutely nonsense. The red wine thing you'd have to drink so much red wine that you'd die to get the antioxidant benefit that they talk about. It's like, I just went, I want this to stop being an anecdotal thing. I want this to be a fact thing. Mm. And within that, I have to say, I don't feel super strongly like I'm going to stay teetotal or I'm going to go back to habitually drinking, but it's, it is absolutely about making a conscious choice instead of a default setting either way. And I do think the flex now is rock and roll is well-being can you do eight shows a week 
can you feel healthy do you get good quality sleep and my voice on these gigs before christmas without sounding like an mm. absolute am i allowed to swear asshole you can, um, yeah. let's set a precedent sounded, right now you can swear you absolutely can i could just keep going i sang in you know we don't we're not one there's two there's two of us women in the band and we choose the songs we like not one of us being stevie and one of us being christine and i finish the main set with Rhiannon and that that is so witchy and so there's got so much of that like visceral cry sound in it it's a massive exorcism for for the whole band because we all just go a bit nuts in it and I found myself limited before by drinking which leads me to smoking and this time doing none of either oh my gosh it was like all the immediate rewards I've ever got from having a glass of wine or having a cigarette with none of the guilt and it lasts like the 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 brain drug boost from just doing the natural thing has actually been incredibly enlightening mm. that's amazing you're actually seeing real physical response from your from your body from your instrument by just a change of of what you consume i'm quite interested to hear because you know i grew up in my corporate world in an environment which was similar to rock and roll. It was the ad industry. I mean, drinking was the the least of all the evils that we we would all we would all do. I mean, not me really, because I wasn't really into cocaine, cocaine and all the other different different drugs that were floating around. But it was an industry of excess. It was a lot of lunches and dinners and you know, going out for drinks. But something you sort of touched on there, which is that it's like the new, the moderation is the new kind of rock and roll. Do you think that's a cultural thing? Do you think that's a generational thing as well as, you know, what's happening in your industry? Big time. I think it's absolutely a social thing. And I think it's the generation just below me and Lyle that are making this happen. But it's it's us that can theoretically, haha, cost a living crisis, afford to put those plans into action. Because a lot just below us are still working out how to actually build a career, start a career, earn, perhaps save towards, you know, the next thing, which could be a car or a house, whatever. We are at the stage where we can put those things into action. And I have to say, in 11 days, I've done gigs and I've been out to see friends and I have found it difficult twice not to drink. And then once I've said no once, it's very easy. But yeah. it's just first no. I love the precipice. I love being on the precipice. Yeah. I love being like just before the ooh no, um, <laughs> um, and and the the amount of money I've saved in eleven days is oh. amazing, and I've redirected it into another account actually. So like if I if I was gonna if I would have bought a bottle of wine or a I mean it's never glasses is it Lyle? Um, if I was to have bought a bottle of wine because of the it's cheaper that way yeah. uh, mentality. <laughs> I'm chucking it into another account and I've paid for my January tax. Oh days. my days, that's amazing. I mean, it's so yeah. good, isn't it? It's so good. When you kind of start to really, when, particularly when it comes to breaks like this. Now, I mean, I mm. look at dry January. My brother's also doing dry January and my brother would have absolutely loved to have come on the podcast as well. But unfortunately, he's really not feeling the effects of dry January because it's coincided with a bit of a stinker of a cold. I want to <laughs> urge people to realise that the two are not mutually exclusive and or related. He's just got a really bad cold, but he just so happens to be doing dry January. This is not an advert for the fact that you don't get colds provided you drink every day or whatever. That's not a thing. But he's <laughs> on a bit of a break. And 
I'm really keen on the idea of talking to people like yourself, Brian, who go on not just try January, but some people take breaks from other vices or indeed alcohol itself at different times of the year, like I did uh, in the middle of 2023, I took a break. And it was really the cerebral stuff. The financial was was a big thing. But I think I was really sort of captivated by what you said just now about how you could just sort of felt you could sing for longer. You felt almost indestructible in terms of your own profession and your own instrument because you felt sort of mentally sharper because not only are you not consuming something that kind of loosens you up in that particular way, but you're also focusing on the not drinking as well. You, you're giving yourself a goal. You're giving yourself a target. You're giving yourself a focus other than what you put in your mind to day in, day out. You know what I mean? It's like it really does keep you sharp. I guess I'm kind of leading down the line of a question of, was that the reason? Was that the impetus? Was that the inspiration for you doing this? Or did you have another reason? Or was it just something that you'd been planning on doing for a few months in the lead up to 2024? I mean, what was the inspiration and the motivation for, for taking this step? Really good question. I, I, I think I have to break it down to four parts. This is how my brain works. I have to tie my knot in a hanky in four fingers and I'll go through them. I've been toying with the idea of being alcohol free for a while anyway. And being a woman of a certain age, everyone goes, oh my God, are you pregnant? If I can say one thing to anyone at any stage of their life, never, ever, no matter what you think the answer or response is going to be, never ask a person that. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know what their story is. You have no right to that information. Stop bloody asking it. So dry January means that I don't get asked that question. I'm doing dry January. Great. Secondly, made a wager with a friend. He is the male version of me. So it was a good person to make this wager with. And it's 100 quid to either one of us if we break this wager. So I actually like that as accountability, but I didn't need it. I think I was thinking of doing it anyway. Mm. So that he's since amended the rules, having been the one that was like, no, it's absolutely this. He's since gone, unless we can't avoid it. I'm absolutely going for, <laughs> you know, if I can't make it through January, I do for me, I worry about why. Mm. Yeah. Because it's only a month. Surely, you know, that's not that big a deal. Um, that's one other thing. I said it's the least of them, to be honest. I got a diagnosis before Christmas of ADHD and there is a big relationship between alcohol abuse and ADHD and that certainly tracks for me or alcohol escapism certainly tracks for me. Mm -hmm. And finally, I think it is, I'm really, because of that last thing and generally I am not always as compassionate with myself as I could be and I would like to give myself this breather to start on a more compassionate level the beginning of the year, because I do think our brains work in seasons and cycles, and it's nice to start off a new chapter in the way you intend to go on, even if it doesn't stay as strictly that way. So it kind of wraps up in lots of different sections there for me. There's so much to unpack with that. Mm. And you, you've clearly got this incredible mind, Bryony, that you can just sort of go bum, 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 bum. These are all the reasons why. A lot of people just do it because it's dry January and I'm just going to do it. A lot of people don't don't really even think it through. It's kind of like the thing you do and then you go on and have double all of that for the rest of the year and you make up for that month of, of deprivation because it's like, and there are so many people I see that do dry January and really get a lot out of it, but then, oh, it's February now, I can just pack it all in again. And uh, so it's so nice to see somebody do it with mindfulness. 
Although I do sort of take my hat off to people as well that do it in January because I find January one of the most miserable months of the year. So you would actually like to tuck yourself up in front of a fire with a nice glass of red and just sort of hope that the world sort of warms up a bit and you know and and so you've chosen this month clearly you've gone through the thought process of going right it's January was that sort of in line with the start of the year or was it in line with professionalism you know the stuff that the professional commitments you have Mm, that's really interesting it's really funny that you say that I can think ahead I wonder or, or like put things in sensible thoughts like that I think that is the discovery of the ADHD thing and a bit of better management with it. And I do think only 11 days in, I am slightly clearer in my head. So no alcohol. So the question you asked was January. Was it January? Yes. Why, <laughs> why January? Because there's a lot of people that, hmm. like you hear it on the radio or on the television, that you know, that people say, oh, don't put yourself under the pressure of January. Do it in a different month. It's hard in January. I have fewer professional appointments in January because there are fewer bookings as a performer. Mm. So it's a good time for me to take stock, for me to do a bunch of the admin stuff. And that, you know, you don't get that done. You can sometimes get performing done better, real or placebo with booze. Mm. You can't get the admin stuff done better with, with alcohol on board. And part of it is that I just really don't want people, I can't be asked if people ask me why I'm not drinking. I can just go dry January. That's it. Maybe we need to find a moniker for every month of the year so that mm. people, people could just do it when they want to. And that pregnancy thing that you said as well, because I've been asked if I'm pregnant, not because I'm not drinking, but because of the size of my stomach. And it is certainly not. <laughs> seriously never um, asked that question i so <laughs> i so agree with this i so agree with this. and actually do you know what i love about already i mean we're barely 20 minutes in to this series of podcasts and a bit like and um, before we went live listeners jackie said say what you say what the podcast is before we start the episode proper because that's something we haven't necessarily done with our other podcast the rest is pr and i know i'm going to be going against what i introduced the podcast with by saying what i'm about to say but i love that in podcasts like this and around themes like this, it becomes so much more than just, so, Brian, why are you doing dry January? And so, blah, 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 why are you doing this? And what's your relationship like with alcohol? Because you're right, Jackie, there's so many things to unpick. And actually, I'm really pleased that something we're starting to stumble on is this idea of having a conversation with yourself. And it might seem to a certain generation that that's a very, in inverted commas, woke mantra <laughs> and a very kind of forward thinking oh this is the youth of today it's really not guys anyone out there thinking that we need to abolish this way of thinking because actually what it sounds to me like you've done briny alongside the 11 days and counting of dry january is it's given you breathing space to have a conversation with yourself about other things that have been going on in your life up to the present day for example that ADHD diagnosis, which is becoming more of a thing, more and more people are realizing that they have spent years without being diagnosed with, with ADHD. And it's an incredibly, you know, common and prominent thing and something that's, you know, people have been suffering with and, and really not understanding why they're sort of suffering is the wrong word, but not understanding why they're experiencing this way of thinking, why their mind's doing these things. It is suffering, I, actually, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I know quite a lot of people have had the diagnosis as well, particularly mm. with women, because women mask so much better than men. Mm. And, 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 and because medicine doesn't look to women for answers to anything. 
Oh, so true. So true. I knew you were going to like her, Jackie. I knew you'd like Bridie. I knew you were going to like her, right? You see, this is why I got Bridie on. You're so right. I mean, my question was going to be Bridie, actually. And actually, this is a question I'm going to open it up to everybody as well, Jackie as well, because you've obviously been teetotal for a number of years, Jackie. But Bridie in particular, 11 days into dry January. Have you found that, as Jackie kind of alluded to, you kind of go into it with these ideas of the reasons why you're doing it, which is, you know, I just fed up with people asking me this question when I'm not drinking and I just want to be able to have an answer, which is that it's dry January. But have you found that there are now reasons that are cropping up that you didn't realize were a thing? And actually, when you look back on this period of time, you're going to turn around and go, actually, it was so much more than just not drinking for four weeks. It allowed me to work on other areas of my life as well. I would not be surprised if that is what comes up. I have an idea of an answer for this, but I would love to hear what Jackie says first because you've been doing it for longer. Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing to me was that, well, there's a couple of things. The first thing was that I just didn't think that I would be that much fun without a drink that and that entertaining. It wasn't more whether I was going to enjoy myself. It was more whether I was going to be that person. And I discovered I was probably more fun because I wasn't falling asleep in the corner, sozzled. And the second thing that really, which I never expected was this feeling of complete liberation. Because what I hadn't thought about so much was how restrictive drinking can be. So this idea of being able to just literally jump in your car at three o'clock in the morning and go to a 24 hour supermarket and not even think about whether that's possible because you've had a skin fall the night before. You know, all of those things, I'd, I'd never sort of added that up to, to a feeling of liberty. And, and I do feel now that I am definitely liberated. I was drinking far too much and all the time. And I was building my life around my drinking. And there were reasons that led all to that. And there's lots of excuses. But the bottom line was, and something that you said, Bryony, which I loved, was that point of putting yourself first and being kind to yourself and considering yourself. And that's not what a lot of us do. And I think things like dry January and sober October, they at least give us a, a, a reason, a break to kind of say, okay, well, I'd quite like to feel a little less foggy or one in the morning or whatever. And, you know, I don't advocate teetotal for everybody. I, that's why I'm really happy to do this podcast with Lyle, who does drink, who's taken a break, but he's come back from his break with a different idea about alcohol. And you'll probably go back to drinking. And But I think anybody that just has that sort of moment of reflection kind of can decide whether they want to adjust what they do. And that's what I'm interested to hear. Do you think that you will sort of slightly adjust, especially if you're in that band with all these people who don't drink? Mm, good question. I think, I mean, I, I really, really heard something you just said and it really sort of sent my brain off on one. I am not remotely worried about, I think I could never drink again. My problem is other people. They do go, oh, but Brian is a good time girl. She drinks, I walk into a venue and they have a glass of red wine ready for me. Yeah. The half of my friends are elite hospitality people who work in beautiful places in Soho. English particularly, I mean, I grew up in Scotland, but English culture is drinking. It's socializing, it's built around drinking. Saying, I've had a couple of friends have been really sweet and they've gone, do you fancy going for a milkshake or a juice? And I'm like, you don't need to say that, we can go for a drink. Yes. It's still drinking, it's just not yeah. drinking alcohol. Like yeah. it's amazing how it's so ingrained 
in our sort of like natural programming this is something that we we do the fr that's the friends thing F family thing as well how it, it will affect going forward i've done this before I've, I've gone through periods of not drinking before this one feels different because it's my first period of not drinking since getting married it's my first period of not drinking since being 30. it's you know there i'm a bit more grown up and yeah. that you know and i have never to fully grow up i very much doubt i will but um, i've got a different there's some different priorities mm. and it's nice to, be able to give them space instead of as you say feeling sort of caged into it sounds really drastic because we're just talking about drinking but it's very insidious the expectation is very insidious and i'm certainly aware of relationships within my family which have been affected by alcohol i know if i have white wine and i i really i never drink white wine anymore i can get a bit and i've i've coined this term with my husband i get a bit stabby i get a bit angry and a bit mean and you know saying that's white wine and then being all right with other alcohols is kind of nonsense because mm. if that if it's something which isn't naturally happily in a well-adjusted me it exists in all of us we are none of us perfect do not get me wrong but if it exists and doesn't come out or doesn't actually need to come out it's not like some wonderful exorcism release when it happens it's like wasn't actually thinking or feeling that and that just came out of nowhere surprised me made me feel awful and guilty made you feel got at and horrible no thank you and i think the fleetwood Mac band being non-drinkers makes it a lot easier that's one of the projects i'm in the others I'm turning up and being I'm being the boss more often because I'm producing. So it's nice to actually also be like, doesn't make sense for me to necessarily drink because I need to make sure everyone else has got. These elite hospitality people that you know, these are the people that we need to help us go out, us non-drinkers, go out and spend a bit more money with them if they only come up with some really good non-alcoholic alternatives in their establishments mm. so you know one of the reasons i go and drink at and eat at amazonia is because amazonica amazonia amazonica it's next to sex i don't know it barclay square oh right but they have this i don't really think about the place i just think about their non-alcoholic negroni because it's the nicest negroni that i've ever drunk alcoholic or non-alcoholic and it's called an eddie groni um <laughs> amazonica, i think it is yeah but, you know, they've sort of cottoned on to the idea that they do really nice mocktails that are, you know, not just, oh, we do every every cocktail without alcohol, which is boring, to be honest, because it's just a bunch of sugar. Um, but mm. there are so many good non-alcoholic alternatives as well. So maybe ask your, your elite hospitality people if they could just please have a think. Uh, well... Well, I did get accused of single-handedly taking down the hospitality industry by doing Dry January. <laughs> In Soho, definitely. I, I would not be surprised. Yeah, well, I mean, that's also that's also them being funny and glib, and they're not like that. Uh, don't read too much into that. That is them just being funny. But I also did go like, oh, God, that must mean that when I'm here and drinking, I drink quite a lot. No, but also you do bring... You you know you you are you are Soho basically you're Queen of Soho so you bring a lot of this the atmosphere and everything else and I think that's why when you're a personality that's associated with entertainment and in Soho which is brilliant and great fun and vibrant and very much associated with bars and clubs and cabaret and you know everything else risque as well you know alcohol goes hand in hand with that so I'm not surprised they were a bit aghast. 
But it hasn't Well, I'm going to take away for the rest of the day that Jackie's just called me Queen of Soho. <laughs> That's it. I think this is going to be called cool. The Rest Is. The Queen of Soho joins us on our first ever episode <laughs> of The Rest Is Alcohol. That's quite a long title. But just to bring um, just to bring this one to, to a close, Bryony, thank you so, so much for being so open with us and for talking all about this. I think something I've just taken away from what you said as well, Bryony, is this, is that we kind of need to normalise not just having conversations with ourselves and looking after ourselves and doing these things for reasons that are just for kind of ourselves and looking after stuff and being kind to ourselves, but also it wouldn't be a pod where I'm either a guest or a host if I didn't come up with some sort of weird convoluted analogy. So I'm going to come up with this, right? You just said that, you know, and you said earlier in the podcast as well, Brian, you said, oh, you know, saying no the first time is really, really difficult and then it gets easier. And I imagine saying no the first time when you go to a bar or a club or when you're at work, when you're out performing, saying no the first time is hard because it kind of used to be that the start of the night would be glass of red wine and away we go. And people kind of turn around to you and go, yeah, this is how we're, this is how we're all going to move forward with the night for the next three, four hours. There's going to be entertainment. There's going to be drinking, blah, blah, blah. If you walked into a Costa, other coffee shops are available and didn't order a coffee, no one would turn to you and go, I can't believe that person's not having a coffee because <laughs> they'll, you know, say, oh, well, they're just buying a bottle of water or they're having some sort of pastry or something. If you walk into a fish and chip shop, I can't come up with any kind of brands because they're all kind of independently run and didn't order your quintessential traditional fish and chips, but ordered something else. No one's going to turn around to you and go, I can't believe you're not having fish and chips. And yet there is still this sort of strange stigma. If you walk into a pub and you're the person who doesn't order an alcoholic beverage of some sort, there's still this sort of strange, like, why are you not having, I think it is improving, but there is still a little sense of, even if it's like one o'clock in the afternoon on a Thursday, or oh, what, you're having a lemonade? That's really weird. Like, and everyone in the environment kind of goes, you know, what's going on here? And I would I also we... I would also say there are a couple of ways of doing this. One is quite duplicitous and one is just really just under the radar. If you've got friends who are going to make a fuss of this, then you can go, oh, go sit down, find a table. I'll go and order. What do you want? And it means that you get the first round. But after that, you say, please, can I have ginger ale in a glass? And it looks like whatever it looks like, you know, or, or whatever it is that you want. So no one asks the question. The other thing to do is to go is to not say, I'm not drinking. I'll have it. Just go, oh, I'll start with lemonade. Yeah. And you actually, you can make less of it. And I think as someone who makes more of everything, <laughs> it's my natural setting, <laughs> even cuffs. I'm wearing fluffy cuffs for those of you just listening. Um, for someone who makes more of everything, making less of this makes it a lot easier because mm. There is, as you say, a really strange and specific amount of resistance around being a person in a group that isn't drinking, and there shouldn't be. So if you can put less resistance in the mix, you make it easier for yourself. And it is such a thing as well. That's really, really brilliantly put. And also, like, I think it's really important as well, moving forward, Brian, you've demonstrated so brilliantly. We're not just going to be sort of having the conversation. It's sort of being very organic and very sort of conversational, this podcast. We're going to try our best from people who... Are experiencing these things or have experienced these things to be as specific as we can as well with advice and kind of things you can do and strategies because there will be people particularly as Jackie mentioned in our teaser that we released a few weeks back just after Christmas who this will be really at the forefront of their thinking you know how am I going to kind of move forward it's going to be very difficult and unlike you know if you have a particular penchant for eating lots of chocolate or you know smoking is maybe not quite the same thing because smoking is in and of itself a similar vice but drinking has such layers to it it's not just a simple case of consuming it and you feel a bit bad for a bit and then away you go as we've all experienced i'm sure in the past if you drink excessively or you have a bit of an experience with drinking 
it can not just be there in the moment there's some issues and there's some things to address there are days there are months there are psychological things and things like that and it goes back to you saying quite rightly don't ask women at any point it's never okay to ask oh my god are you pregnant regardless of the situation it's the same thing it's never really okay in an accusatory tone to go why are you not drinking then because it could be as simple as oh, i'm doing dry january just because i thought i'd give it a go but it could be as complex as i've Anything. had lots of problems with it yeah. and i don't really want to talk about it really yeah. but i'm going through my own stuff and they've got to be ways mm -hmm. now we're going to normalize kindness about this sort of thing and and normalize kind of mm -hmm. having appropriate conversations that are not immediately judgmental but instead very supportive regardless of if you're meeting someone for the first time or if you've known them for years you know introduce the conversation by going oh what are you having instead of what you're drinking people are often confronted by someone who isn't drinking by possibly a little shred of and they can't even identify it yet maybe a little shred of oh maybe my relationship with alcohol isn't so great so it can get quite defensive and quite mm. aggy quite easily and mm -hmm. it needn't but it's very natural because it is a chemical that makes you behave in a certain way absolutely right really well i think honestly briny this I, I probably shouldn't say this because it's kind of weirdly alcohol related but hey we're we're, we're tongue-in-cheek as well as being very supportive and very educational yeah, carlsberg don't make first podcast guests about alcohol but if they did they'd probably give me briny purdue there you go they'd probably <laughs> give me that why not at the end of an alcohol-based podcast episode why not make a carlsberg gag thank you so so much for being here on the first official episode of the rest of alcohol before we let you go briny it would be remiss of us given that as jackie quite rightly says you're the queen of soho but as we said right at the top of the episode you are cabaret producer cabaret performer cabaret organizer extraordinaire where can we next see you because this will be going out in mid-january as you said it's kind of a bit thin on the ground for, for us creatives but obviously you will have gigs and performances coming up where can we see you next what will you be up to in the next weeks and months one of the seeds i am planting is writing a one-woman show to take up to edinburgh in august so that will be the thing that i'm putting a lot of energy into and it also gives me some accountability because i've got quite a lot of work to do before i can submit it <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I'm really excited about it because it, it relates to one of my favourite artists of all time and it could just be really exciting. I'm not going to say any more because I want to confirm I can do this before I actually do. But yes, it will involve the music of a favourite artist of mine and it will involve a coming of age as my experience as a woman. And I yeah. have my theories on who this artist could be, but I won't say it out loud either because I don't want to tempt fate. And I'm also very, very excited. We wish you all the luck in the world with creating that, with writing that, with producing that. And I know for sure, I mean, my plan is to try and go to Edinburgh this year if I possibly can for a couple of weeks. So fingers crossed, the stars align and I get to see you up there in this one show. But Bryony, thank you so, so much for being on this first official episode of The Rest Circle. Jackie, we did it. Episode one in the cam. How, how did I do? Did I do okay? I know you did brilliantly. Did I do all right? <laughs> you get these these standards of doing brilliantly. <laughs> brilliantly, Lyle. Absolutely thank you. That's very kind. I mean, I, I, I have very high standards and you meet them without <laughs> fail every single time we come on the podcast. But listeners, thank you so, so much for joining us. Like Jackie and I said in our teaser, and we'll say this all the time as well, 
as we go through this next few episodes of this podcast hopefully the very long life of this podcast it's a real passion project for jackie and i and we're delighted that already we've had people get in touch with us who really like Bryony, the brilliant Bryony, who want to come on and really be open and talk to us about this it's a situation it's a theme it's an issue if you like if you want to call it that that affects so many people in so many different ways and we're just really really delighted that we get the chance to have really open honest organic conversations with people about their own experiences and their own relationship with Alcon. We're absolutely delighted that we get the chance to do this and we would love to hear from you. So a few T's and C's. If you would like to get in, here we go, the first rest is alcohol T's and C's. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us info at the rest is alcohol.com. I can confirm that is a thing that now works. I had a meeting earlier this week and that is an email address that actually will do things if you email us so can confirm that's the case you can also get in touch with jackie or myself via linkedin jackie vores lyle fulton and all the usual twitter instagram etc on the demozo twitter x social media accounts do get in touch with us via those platforms as well jackie normally on the rest is pr i'd say same time next week but we're going to be doing these a bit less frequently than the rest of PR, a bit more randomly so i will see you very soon i'm sure for another episode the rest is alcohol what do you reckon Yes, definitely. Thank you so much, Jackie. Thank you so much, Bryony. Once again, you have been absolutely amazing. Listeners, thank you for joining us. In the meantime, from Bryony, from Jackie and myself, take care of yourselves. It's bye for now.